So Lonnie, would you rather stay home with Wesley and do a word puzzle, go clubbing with Cordy, or slay the demon egg with Angel? <laughs> Is this like the angel version of Fuck, Mary Kill? Just answer the question. <laughs> all right. Uh, definitely word puzzles with Wesley. What about you? Can I do all three? You little vixen. Welcome to Still Dead. I'm story expert Lonnie Diane Rich of Chipperish Media. And I'm researcher and Southern Fried Scholar Dr. Kelly Jones. And we are here today to talk about Angel Season 1, Episodes 11 and 12, Somnambulist and Expecting. These episodes are both skippers, so relax and let us do the sleepwalking as we raise the stakes. In this CSI-flavored episode, a sleep-deprived angel helps Kate track down a serial killer nicknamed the Pope, who is really a vamp named Penn, continuing the cruel work he learned from his sire, dear boy himself, Angelus. Angel recognizes his signature carving in the murder photos, and so does Wesley. And with Angel experiencing the murders vicariously in dreams, Angel and Wes worried that he's sleepwalking back to his evil ways. When Angel learns that Penn is in town, he helps Kate track him down. Kate learns that Angel is a vampire and is predictably not cool about it, but when Penn has Angel in a chokehold, she stabs them both through with a wooden plank, deliberately missing Angel's heart as she turns Penn to dust. Despite being saved by Angel, Kate turns against him and now sees him as a monster. All right, Somnambulist aired on January 18th, 2000. It was directed by Winrick Colby, who directs only one episode of Angel in the entire run, and this is it. This episode was also written by Tim Minear, who we last saw writing Sense and Sensitivity, so it's got to get better, right? We got <laughs> nowhere to go but up, right? <laughs> Absolutely. All right, so speaking of going up, what are your moments of perfect happiness, Dr. Jones? So I had a few. Um, I really liked it at the beginning when Wes walked in on Cordy when she was practicing the tough client act. Right. And, and when she said to Wesley, nobody likes a smart ass rogue demon hunter. I was like, no, I do. I do. I, I, I love smart ass rogue demon hunters. <laughs> Absolutely. That's my catnip. Absolutely. <laughs> and and I thought it was interesting to see Wesley's training as a watcher kind of play into the new team dynamic yeah. because he recognized Angel's old handiwork in the serial killer newspaper story. Yeah, which I love. Yeah, I thought mm -hmm. that was pretty cool. Um, and sleep deprived grumpy Angel cracked me up because <laughs> he's as grumpy as I am when I don't sleep. Right. And <laughs> needs all the coffee right. and when Cordy said wow you look half dead I was like no it's still dead still not dead. half dead still dead <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh god it's so fun and I love seeing Cordy and Angel the way that they interact they've got this you know real familial thing going on it's so nice mm -hmm. it is nice mm -hmm. and I liked when Cordy defended Angel when Wesley suspected him but then she turned so fast when Angel said it's true. And I can't decide if I like that turn or if I want to stake it. I know. 
<laughs> right? <laughs> like, well, I, I mean, mean, yeah, I, I love when she's defending him. And a lot of things actually, for me, um, are things that I that are in my moment of perfect happiness. And then the thing that follows them immediately, I want to stake. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. that happened to me a lot in this episode. That, that did happen a lot in this one. Although I do love the line from Corny. I get to make the coffee and chain the boss to the bed. Time to join a union. <laughs> it's a full service job, Cordy. That's yeah. right. <laughs> oh, that was pretty funny. Um, and I have to say, we all know how I feel about Kate. Right. But I really appreciate her thorough research strategy. Uh-huh. And I am a sucker for a studying montage, you know, <laughs> of any kind. If she had cited a source, you would have loved her forever. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and and I liked her saying that she trusted Angel. Yeah. Um, and when she staked Pen, you know, she didn't kill Angel. And Angel mm-hmm. said, you missed. And Kate said, no, I didn't. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And I like that. And and I thought, good for her for having holy water in her pocket, you know, right. and, mm-hmm. and for standing up to Pen, like, and for standing up to Angel. So mm-hmm. she, she kind of showed that she was smart and capable of research and that she could be a badass. But the rest of her reactions to Angel being a vamp, yeah, I kind of want to stake them. And yeah. the the only thing I can think of in her defense is maybe she doesn't understand the reality of soulless Angelus and mm-hmm. reinsold Angel. But she's got to know. I, I mean, mean, she knows he's a good guy. And he saved her life, like, what, in every episode in which she appears? Yeah. So, so it, yeah. So she's kind of striking me as like a very black and white thinker. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, like, this mm-hmm. guy is bad this guy's good and so i want to stake that part yeah (laughs) what about you what were your moments of perfect happiness well i gotta tell you it was kind of fun to see jeremy renner show Uh up uh who some of you may know as hawkeye from the marvel (laughs) cinematic universe which is our friend joshua Unruh's favorite character no he loves hawkeye he He loves loves him so much He's going to kill me. Um, anybody who listens to Listen Up, Listen Up A-Holes knows that that's not true. Andrew hates, hates him. But I like Jeremy Renner. I think he's a good actor. Um, I first um, saw him in a show that was short-lived on um, ABC some years ago called The Unusuals. And it was kind of like a cop procedural, but sort of funny. It was really, I, I liked it. I liked it a lot. And I liked him in it. Um, so he always kind of gets some some grace from me because my, my first impression of him was good. Um, mm-hmm. He is baby Jeremy Renner in this. I think this yes. may be one of the first things that he ever did. And it's, you know, and I'm, I'm not going to say it's it's not great. You know, like the stuff that he does, his <laughs> pen is not, it's not great, but it's not terrible, you know? Um, mm-hmm. So I don't know. Like I, I, I like him. I enjoy him. It was kind of fun to see. Um, I, again, I loved Cordy's loyalty to Angel. She's like, you're not going to come in here and accuse Angel like that. But of course, then we run it right into the irony smash. You know, you stake him and I'll cut off his head. Right. <laughs> and and so, like, I loved her loyalty. I loved how she believed in him, you know, the faith that she had in him. And then it turned so quickly because of that irony cut that they wanted, you know. Mm-hmm. And I didn't particularly care for that because I loved her loyalty so much. So that's one of these things where, like, the first half is, you know, love it. The second half is stake it. <laughs> we should have named it love it or stake it, right? Right. <laughs> 
Um, I also really like that we're seeing Angel's history and how bad he was. I mean, it's been a while since we've revisited that history. You know, we had all of that during the three seasons on Buffy. We saw all of that. But, you know, Mm -hmm. in this show, in this context, we haven't really seen like how bad he is. So it was good to see that. It was good to have that, that memory of it and sort of have that refresh. So I really liked that. Um, You know, I loved Wesley. (laughs) You'd be locked up faster than Lady Hamilton's virtue. And he goes, my apologies. (laughs) (laughs) And then I love that because it was just incredibly sweet and true to, you know, Wesley's character to be very chivalrous, you know, but then we follow it with from Cordy, that's okay. I don't know what that meant. Like they had her even deliver it in this like kind of stupid way, you yeah. know, which, which I want to state because Cordy, you know, whether or not she's familiar with Lady Hamilton or whatever, like that she, you can figure it out from context, you know, like right. what he's saying. And so she knows what virtue is. It's fine. Like I just, I, Cordy is really smart and I hate when they make her play stupid. They don't do, do very much. I do too. Yeah. And like when, um, when Penn broke into the office yeah, and she stood up to him, like she, she was holding her own. Um, but when Angel said, get me a steak, she said, oh, it's eight o'clock in the morning. And I'm like, exactly. come on, Cordy oh, come knows on. what he means. This like, is right after that great moment, which is another thing that I loved where she's like telling him the whole thing. She's like, you're pumping me for information. And then he is about to attack her and she flips open the windows. She stands in the sunlight. She's like, ha ha, you know, yeah. I mean, I love that. It was so, yeah. we have this great intelligence from Cordy. And when we give her a stupid line for a joke, I mean, it's that thing when you break a character for a joke you know or to hold up a plot point it doesn't work it really creaks and Cordy's so smart I hate when we make her play stupid I do too and plus when you're in a universe like this certain words have primary meanings Mm -hmm. right so if you're defining your terms if you're talking about the Buffy verse in any form or fashion and someone says steak Mm-hmm. You immediately go to S T A K E, right. the thing that you stab a vampire with. So, I like, mean, the funnier thing would be if somebody said, you know, steak meaning an actual slab of meat, and right. Cordy presumed, you know, the wooden steak because she's from Sunnydale. Right, like, that would have been funny. Yeah, yeah but this exactly. it was like a pun that a writer just couldn't resist, and exactly it makes Cordy look stupid, which she is not. Cordy is mm-hmm. smart as hell. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm I'm with you. I love smart ass badass Cordy, but I don't like it when they try to make her look like yeah. ditzy. Yeah. No. Um. It's it's just it doesn't work. It's not who she is. And I mean the thing is like I understand completely how it feels when you're writing something and it's funny and you will twist yourself into a pretzel to try to make it work but there's a certain point where you have to realize that it doesn't so when you pay for that humor with you know the consistency of a character or even by you know by degrading a character a little bit because Cordy's not stupid but we're playing her as stupid because Mm -hmm. you know we think it's so cute when you know when she's dumb or whatever or because there's a particular line that we want to sell you know it's just I I don't like when they when they sacrifice Cordy's character for that that's not fun for me um I love it when Wesley breaks into the apartment and then mm-hmm. turns around and says, oh, I invite you in. <laughs> you know, <Yeah>. like, 
first of all, you don't live there, Wesley. And like, I don't know what the rules are for hotels anyway. And it's all very complicated. But like, you know, the angel's like, no, it's it's a vampire. Like, I, I can walk in. You know? Right. And that was really cute. Wesley's, I invite you in. I like, know. No, darling, that is a power you do not have or need. Right. But, but what I like about it, though, is that it's I mean, it's a cute, funny moment. But it also speaks to Wesley's um, like consideration. He's mm-hmm. very thoughtful. He's very aware of other people, you know, and, yeah. and I just like that he has that kind of innate empathy within him that he immediately thinks about whether Angel can come in or not, that he immediately yeah. invites him in. You know, it's just it's just one of these nice little things about Wesley, because, of course, you know, I love Wesley. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, one of my favorite parts was the talk with Cordelia at the end, you know, yeah. when she's comforting him and she says that message came for Angel, not Angelus. Like she can see that that they're different, you know, right. and he feels he carries with him so much like the weight of Angelus, you know, mm-hmm. um, although I think it's it's such an interesting question about what you're responsible for, you yeah. know, and we've had that discussion. Like, what are you responsible for? If you're if you're possessed by something, you know, in the Buffy verse, generally, you're not responsible. But he is so completely responsible for everything he did as a vampire. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the 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 line, I think, between the human that was and the vampire that is, I think is not as starkly drawn as sometimes we like to pretend that it is like he knows that he was still in there. He knows that he was enjoying it when he's having these nightmares, he's enjoying it. And I love that nuance, you know, um, within his story that we really understand the weight of Angelus on him because Angelus is never gone. Angelus is not a separate thing. Angelus is part of him. You know, this is part of who he is. This is part of what he knows he can be. Mm-hmm. And I, I love that. I think it's so crunchy and textured. I do too. And I've I've got future notes about that scene and, and the dreaming. But I think it's interesting if you think of it being a constant battle between yeah. the two of them. And mm-hmm. Angelus is not just something that goes away when his right. soul comes back. Right. That what you're really seeing from Angel is not just a choice, but a constant choice. Yeah. Like yeah. a, a, you know, continually renewed, active choice. Mm-hmm. And when he knows that he enjoys certain sadist behavior. Yeah. <laughs> and and he's all, you know, and plus he, he has that enjoyment when he's vulnerable, when he's mm-hmm. asleep. Mm-hmm. And we can't control what we dream about. Right. Mm-hmm. And so to face that head on and, and to keep, you know, being honest about it and, Facing that down within himself, it, it's a constant choice. And, and to me, that makes it even bigger and, and more mm-hmm. impressive of him as a champion because that's yeah. a choice he has to make every day. Yeah, it's it's really tough. But um, but yeah, I really like the way that they address that here. And I think that that's mm-hmm. really good. Um, all right. So what do you want to stake? Okay. And so, by the way, that's S-T-A-K-E. K-E, I just right. want to say, I'm not yeah. offering you a slab of meat. No. Well, I don't eat red meat anyway, so I would much rather have a pointy object to kill vampires with than the other kind. (laughs) But I I got kind of tickled thinking of this as like CSI version of Angel um, with the serial killer and the profile. And then, you know, we have that voiceover with Kate, you know, Mm -hmm. reading the profile or or telling the other cops about this killer. Mm -hmm. And it was just a little too spot on for Mm -hmm. Angel and Angelus. Like, come on. I mean, Mm -hmm. really? Really? (laughs) Um, And not all of those details 
I don't think that that would necessarily have gone into that kind of profile. Mm -hmm. And I don't know that all of those details were actually relevant to the real killer. Mm -hmm. Um, Right. But the thing that I wanted to stake about that was when she said, a painful breakup is always at the top of our list. Mm -hmm. And oh my God, for the fucking record, I am so sick of women who break up with assholes being blamed when the assholes work out their feelings by killing people. It's like, come on. Yeah. Seriously, Mm -hmm. if somebody breaks up with you. You get the whiskey, you get the ice cream, you cry to your friends. Exactly. You do not become a serial killer and start carving in people's faces. Right, right. And I just it just annoyed me to death. Mm-hmm. Um, and Wesley's instant mistrust and suspicion of Angel also mm-hmm. yeah. rubbed me the wrong way. Mm-hmm. So, like, I know he hasn't been working there as long as Cordy, mm-hmm. but I think he's seen enough mm-hmm. from Angel not to immediately jump to that conclusion. You know, right. to, to mm-hmm. have more of an open mind about it. Um, and well, I, see, I just, I didn't yeah. like it. I actually, I actually liked that. I, oh. I, and here's the reason why. Angel is relying on them to keep an eye on him. You know, to, and his, his thing is always, you know, you have to kill me, right? Mm-hmm. You know, he's always wants to be sure that they will kill him if he ever gets out of line. And I think that Wesley actually, by not pretending that this isn't something he's aware of, that this isn't a history that he knows about, you know, that the possibility isn't there, I think is actually being an incredibly loyal friend to Angel. I guess I would have felt that way if he, I don't know, if Mm -hmm. he asked about it first or if he was... He, but he seemed to have already made his mind to up. just jump to the conclusion. Yeah, right? As and I, to, I guess I wanted to see. Yeah, yeah, I wanted to see more deliberation of thought and weighing mm-hmm. of evidence there. Yeah. Um, but Wesley with the Manila folder labeled Angel Aww. cracked me up. <laughs> <laughs> that was hilarious, and that is so Wesley. And it's so and I bet Wesley. he has citations in there. Oh, you know he does. That is a man who cites his sources, honey. Yes, he does. <laughs> Um, and I guess the other thing I wanted to stake was like Penn's daddy issues. Oh God! Yeah. I mean, Lord have mercy, shake it up some. Like the same, <laughs> the same killing routine as an art form for two hundred years shows a serious lack of creativity. Right. And the thing is, like, I am I am almost as tired of daddy issues being a motivator for men as I am of the fridging of women, which is, you know, for those of you unfamiliar with the term, it's it's when a woman, a female character is killed, basically, simply to motivate the man. Like, yeah. that's it, you know. So the daddy issues thing is also very, very tiresome for me. But I do like the way the angel called it out. You yeah. Know? So I like that he slapped it down, that he was like, it's stupid. Let it go. Mm-hmm. You know, it's been 200 years. So I appreciated that from Angel. Yeah, I did, too. Mm-hmm. And then it, it kind of led Penn to be like, oh, well, I'm going to try something new now. And it's all your fault. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be the worst thing you can possibly imagine. And then he leaves out all this evidence about a school bus attack. And he's got mm-hmm. like maps and diagrams and a little stick figure that says, Angel, come find me here. You know, like it's ridiculous. <laughs> right. And I'm, I'm just sitting there thinking, OK, school children go home in the afternoon. Right. When it's sunny. Right. In L.A. Right. (laughs) Like, there are serious flaws in this plan, man. So I was really glad that Angel saw straight through that. And knew where to go find writing. 
but it was just that this guy is not as smart as he thinks he is. No, I'm like, uh uh-uh, that is not the smartest ruse in the history of vampire world. No. No. (laughs) (laughs) So what about you? What did you want to stake? Oh, God, mostly Kate. Mm -hmm. Mostly Kate. In In the beginning, when she's like, why don't you stop by tomorrow? By then I'll have invaded a citizen's right to privacy for you. And this is before, you know, she finds out that he's a vampire. This is just her being Kate. She's just so freaking bitchy all the time. You know, I mean, yeah. it's just, I don't know. I mean, and then we, we combine that with this. Do you trust me? You know, I do. Like, why would he know that? You're horrible every time he comes to speak to you, you know? <laughs> She's so inconsistent. And it really is like, it's it, it's writing. Like, the mm-hmm. writing is just inconsistent for her. She's not believable. In, and when she's flirting with him, she's not believable. When she's a bitch, she's not believable. When she's, like, trusting him, she's not believable. I don't trust anything this woman says because whatever they they don't know how to write this woman. It is such a struggle. And it, it drives me crazy because I think this could have been a really good and interesting interesting character you Mm -hmm. know because then we go right into this you know not that the brooding man of mystery thing isn't working for you i mean it is a lot wink wink this is me flirting i mean it is terrible it is terrible and painful here's what's so bad about that Mm -hmm. i can be at times a little bit of a flirt no sometimes no on rare occasion no i don't even pick up on Kate flirting with Angel. It's that bad. I'm like, <laughs> I do not See, watch that. And I like, never pick up on people flirting with me. But I can tell when somebody's flirting with someone else. I mean, but I'm saying like it doesn't give off the, no, you know, that kind of magnetic, electric, whatever. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I guess that was supposed to be flirting. But I, yeah, no, but it was terrible. It's, it's so just- bad. It is so incredible. If it was any more wooden, he would turn to dust. It was just so bad. <laughs> so, yeah. I just, yeah. it's, it's, all of it is terrible. And then we get to, she finds out that he's a vampire, right? This guy has saved her life a million times. She's not conflicted at all. Mm-hmm. Like, she's just like, that's it. You know, I read about you. It would be one thing if he came to her door and she was conflicted and she was obviously afraid of him, like I read about Angelus, you know, like this is freaking me out. Like if she was just uh, like, you know, not so nasty about it, you Mm -hmm. know, and then she's so nasty and she's so cold and she's so cruel to him, all of which is unnecessary because not 10 minutes before she's like, you know, I trust you. Of course I trust you. You know, all that stuff. And it's like, okay, if you trust him, like you give him a chance, you talk to him, maybe give him enough time to say, I have a soul, which takes one second, (laughs) one second. Gypsy curse got a soul. That's all you need to know. Like there's the reader's digest, Kate, maybe ask him a question instead of being so freaking nasty about it. So, um, and, and I just like, it drives me crazy because I feel like it could be, so much better. There's so much opportunity for nuance in the way that she's written and in the portrayal. You know, if you see that she's afraid, like she's so angry and nasty and snotty, it's it's like she only has one emotion at any given time and they're all in conflict with each other. So it just flops back and forth from one to the other. And a lot of it's in the writing. I think some of it's in the acting too. I think that the acting is not great, you know? Yeah. 
So, um, and I feel bad. I hate saying that. <laughs> I'm, I'm happier, like, you know, I guess criticizing writers because I'm a writer. You right. know, I am, I am like literally the world's worst actress. If you had put me in anything, you put me in anything, I will do a terrible job. Like, it's just, I'm not an actor, you know? Um, but so like, I feel really bad criticizing actors because they do something that I would never in a million years be able to even do a fraction of what she does. You know, like I would yeah. never be as good as she is in this role, you know, so I hate criticizing something I absolutely cannot do at all. But it's, it's not good. Yeah, well, I don't, I just don't buy in to the performance or to the character. And mm -hmm. it keeps pulling me out of the story. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But one of the things that bothers me about it is there's this, there's this current of her either fooling herself or not acknowledging what she really knows. Right. Because mm -hmm. she acts like she's all shocked to find out that there's something supernatural about Angel. Right. Mm -hmm. But the first time they met, she watched the dude jump out of a third floor window. Right. And land and get up and run. And she's seen enough of him to know there's something not 100% average about this guy. Right. Not to mention, she's a cop in L.A. Like, right. she's, this cannot be the first time that she's seen puncture wounds on the side of a neck. Like, she would have questions, mm -hmm. you know? And I think that, like, there's so much. I look at the character of Kate because there's so much that could have been done to make this really work, you know, to make her really work. Because she's... She's kind of a problem because we're we're combining this sort of detective noir, you know, where we need somebody, you know, who's a cop, right? Right. This detective noir thing with this supernatural story and getting that balance right. These aren't flavors that naturally kind of go together. Mm -hmm. So getting that balance right is really difficult, really complicated. But if you'd written a character that had more, um, more depth, more layers to her, that was more interesting... Um, that was consistently written. You know, if we had a character who, um, who had questions, mm -hmm. you know, and was maybe trying to ask Angel those questions and Angel wouldn't talk, you know, and then finally here's this moment where she's like, I knew it. You know, I knew it. I knew it. And he didn't tell her and she's hurt that he didn't tell her, right. you know, or something like that, like where there's something more interesting there. But instead we just, we play her so straight and so flat it's well, just awful. Yeah, I, I think it goes back to a lot of black and white thinking, because mm -hmm. while I did appreciate the research that she did, I mean, she did a good job. Yeah. Mm -hmm. She found Angelus in the old books and yeah. how to kill vampires and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. But she did not go to that next level of actually questioning and learning from the person with experience and expertise. Right. And so, if she had all of that information, you're going to tell me that the gypsy curse isn't in there? Well, apparently not. Or maybe she didn't get that. Maybe she only got like volumes one through five. Exactly. And the right. the insult part is in like six Ken Burns or 10. has not done the documentary yet. And it yeah. takes time to do that kind of research. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And the powers that be sent the Buffy DVDs to Doyle and they didn't right. send them to Kate. So like right. she's behind. Right. I don't know. But, I, you know, and and so there there is kind of this line that, yes, you can learn so much by yourself, mm -hmm. but you're never going to get depth. You're never going to get nuance until 
you start questioning and really engaging with people who have different expertise and different perspectives. Right. And she's a cop. Yeah. For God's sake, the one thing that cops should be good at is asking questions <laughs> and being curious. You know, I mean, she's a detective. Like, that's what you do. Mm -hmm. So trying to get to the bottom of it, trying to get to the truth of it, and especially in a noir story, right? Because noir is all about corruption. You know, an angel is essentially corrupted you know, by his, his vampirism. Like he is essentially corrupted. He can never be not corrupted. He'll never not be a vampire. Right. You know? And, um, and she is, if she is in a space that's corrupt, like the cops are corrupt, you know, the lawyers are obviously corrupt when we finally get back to Wolfram and Hart, you know, <laughs> that, that she's, in that fight, she's in that traditional detective fight, you know, to, to protect the innocent and, you know, something like that. If we had kind of played with those themes a little bit, mm -hmm. that could have been really interesting, too. Yeah, I think so, too. I yeah. really do. All right. So what puts you in research mode? Well, unlike Kate, I love to ask questions. Yes. So <laughs> <laughs> I actually ended up with a bunch from this episode, mm -hmm. which I thought was really interesting. Yeah. So the first thing I had to do was look up the title because right. I didn't know what Sonambulist meant. Mm -hmm. um, and I found out that it is the technical term for sleepwalker. Yeah. But it applies to walking while you're asleep or under hypnosis, mm -hmm. which I also thought was interesting. Comes from the Latin word somnus, meaning sleep. Mm -hmm. So okay. I learned something. But cool. I'm really starting to feel like dreaming and the physicality of what we can experience while dreaming mm -hmm. is a recurring idea on angel yeah and i'm not sure what it means yet but i want to keep an eye on it as an emerging theme that's interesting we do a lot of that um over in buffy right, right. i mean buffy has the prophetic dreams whenever she has a dream it's significant it means something you know mm -hmm. she's she's getting images she almost you know it's almost like the the visions right from the powers that be right except yeah. that she can handle it and she doesn't get you know violent headaches or anything right um, she, it doesn't happen while she's awake it happens while she's sleeping so dreams within the buffy verse right are hugely significant you know and hugely powerful so um so i do feel like that is is also something that we bring over into Angel's existence that, you know, a dream is never just a dream and especially a dream like this. I think so, too. And it was especially mm -hmm. interesting because after that dream, he woke up in vamp face. Mm -hmm. So yeah. he's having, you know, not just this emotional cognitive experience, he's having the physical experience of it, too. Mm -hmm. And it made me wonder, like, is the sire connection strong enough for him to experience Penn's dreams as if they were his own, or mm -hmm. was there something special about this particular connection, or mm -hmm. did the powers that be send those dreams to Angel as a kind of warning vision about oh. Penn? Because Cordy didn't get any visions this time. Right. So I was wondering why the powers that be were MIA in this episode. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, I don't know. I was thinking about that, too. Like, what is that connection you know, if you sire somebody, mm -hmm. you know, like how, how does that work that you're so deeply connected, you know? And also it's kind of interesting because he sired a male vampire, right? Mm -hmm. We have a very, very strong presumption of heterosexuality 
in in the Buffy verse in general, but definitely, you know, in in Angel, right? Um, and when we talk about vampires, there's this like sexy thing to vampires, but we see women sire men, men sire women whenever we see it happen. But we do have instances where, you know, it will be male on male. We've referenced it in the past. Um, there was a point where Spike said in School Hard to Angel, you were my sire, right? Which yeah. actually turned out not to be true because we right. ended up having Drew. So he was like the grand sire, you know? Yeah, retcon. But, right, exactly. But here we have this instance where Angel sired a man, mm-hmm. right? And there is kind of this sexual element. I mean, am I am I reading into that? So in my memory, and I could be wrong... And I want to look at this without giving a lot of spoilers away. Mm -hmm. But I believe the only woman vampire we see, Angel Sire, is Drusilla. Mm -hmm. And everyone else he sires is a man. Okay. There are several instances in my memory, and they're all male. But what is interesting in comparison to that is the only time we see vampires bite each other when they're not siring Mm -hmm. is during sex. Uh-huh. And that has only ever been shown in the Buffyverse from a heterosexual lens. Yeah. So no, it's it's kind it's, of an interesting yeah. thing because there is that element. I mean, it's Darla who sires Angel. Mm-hmm. Angel sires Drusilla. Drusilla sires Spike. Right. Right. So that is really interesting. And I don't know. I mean, I totally think that Angel would be bisexual. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think well, and here's totally. the thing. Like, mm-hmm. and I would argue if you're going to be a vampire... I mean, and you're not bisexual, I seriously think you're missing out. Because if you're going to live forever, the sex should be fantastic. It should be. And And, varied. And you should keep your (laughs) options open, man. (laughs) I'm just saying. Nobody wants a Kinsey Zero vampire. I mean, I would feel kind of bad for them. Yeah. You know? It would be sad. It It would be sad. But I think it's something I think it's something we don't think about. I think there is such a strong, presumptive heterosexuality. That it's it's just not addressed when these opportunities kind of come up. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, Penn could be an old boyfriend. Right. I waited for you in Italy or whatever, right? Yeah. I mean, that sounds to me like somebody who done got stood up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, absolutely. Yeah. Or if he was jealous of Darla or mm-hmm. like there would have been a lot of ways to play that. Oh, how cool would that have been? Right. Oh, Wouldn't that I have been love cool? that. And we thought a lot about how becoming a vampire changes someone's physiology and their personality. Mm-hmm. But how does going through that change affect someone's sexuality? Right. Because well, the I think thing is, that would talk be interesting. About that. We did right. talk about that very much. They do say that it, it doesn't. There's a one moment in Doppelgangland, right? Mm-hmm. When um, Willow is talking about Vampire Willow, and she's like, and I think I'm kind of gay. And then Buffy <laughs> says, right, I'm evil, I'm skanky, and I think I'm, I'm kind of gay. gay. <laughs> and then Buffy says, oh, well, you know, the vampire version has nothing to do with the human version. They're completely separate. And then Angel says, well, actually. Mm-hmm. And then Buffy looks at him and he says, no, absolutely. That's right. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> 
but right. you know, but I mean, the thing is, is that, you know, Willow's sexuality, you know, as we discover later on in Buffy is that she is gay. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I'm sorry, I guess that's a Buffy spoiler, but that's, <laughs> that's happening about concurrently with where we are now in angels. So I guess that's okay. Um, so we do see that, that, that sense of her sexuality is actually a part of who she is. And so the sexuality, the personality, like, and, and the line between vampire and, and human, I think is, is lightly drawn. You know, yeah. I think that there's, there's a very thin veil between those two parts, you know, and what, it, what happens to you when you take away the soul, you're taking away the soul and, and in enters the demon or whatever. But at the same time, like the rest of you is still there. Right. So it's fascinating. Yeah. I mean, it really is. It, it's it, it's a it just, really interesting question. It's so interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and the next thing that made my brain light up, mm-hmm. and this will be a question for the prophecy guys, if we ever talk to them about Angel. Oh, yeah. But Angelus subverts religious iconography. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. He has a thing for nuns and saints. Yep. And in this episode, we learned that he used to carve crosses into the faces of his victims it was a phase. He outgrew it. Penn didn't. It's a whole thing. Yeah. But is that his way, like, or was that his way of showing disdain for the crucifix because the crucifix can burn him? Or is it more symbolic? And is there more something meaningful involved? Because we also then see Kate wearing a cross when she mm-hmm. tells Angel that she trusts him. So, yeah. like, the imagery on that is pretty heavy. Mm-hmm. And I'm just really curious about how to interpret it and what it means and what it means for Angel and what it means for Angelus. And because Liam was not heavily religious before no. he was turned into a vampire. No. And yeah. so it's, it, it's just really interesting to me and it raises all kind of questions for which I do not have answers. Um, yeah. I don't think, I, I think generally in both Buffy and Angel, when we go to religious iconography, we're just going to symbols. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think they, I don't think they want to talk about religion. Mm-hmm. I don't think that they're interested in those questions, you know, because we don't really go there very much. That said, I, this, the fact that he uses religious iconography, that this guy who patterns himself after angel is, is calling himself the Pope. Right. Right. You know, that the subversion, this perversion of religious iconography and what it means, I think, would be completely consistent with with Angel. He when when he turns in season two of Buffy, he goes after Buffy because he resents her for making him feel, you know, for making him love. Right. Um, And maybe there's something in and, and then, you know, here we have this guy, right, who when he is Angel, first of all, Angel right? A very religious name, right? you know? Um, And then when he is angel, I mean, what is he if not, you know, kind of this, this, this good, I'm I'm out for redemption. I want forgiveness. It's all of these kinds of themes that, that are part of, you know, kind of a religious background. And again, like, I know nothing. I'm not good with religion. I am not studied. But the prophecy guys, absolutely. We're going to have to get them uh, yeah. get them on the show to have a discussion about this because I think it's really interesting. I do but too. I, I'm not sure they, the, the people telling the story mm-hmm. are interested in those questions. But yeah. they are very 
very closely, like coming really close to to doing something interesting with those questions. Yeah, they really are. And, and some of it comes together in a later episode that has one of my favorite lines in the whole series. Um, and we'll get to that. But it, it yeah. is, it, there's enough of it for it to be an undercurrent. And I'm really curious about yeah. what it could mean, um, even what it means beyond the writer's intention. I just mm-hmm. find it fascinating. Yeah. And then that kind of led to my last question, which was, mm-hmm. it seems that some vampires and demons can sense that Angel has a soul. Right. Mm-hmm. But Penn doesn't, mm-hmm. despite them having a strong enough connection that Angel's having these dreams about him. Yeah, Penn doesn't seem that bright to me. Yeah, he really doesn't. Like. <laughs> He just maybe that's it but like but you know spike knew right away at school hard like he right. knew immediately mm-hmm. darla mm-hmm. knew right away right you know like so i don't know maybe pen was just a little slow in the uptake yeah. or because I mean, he's, right. he's really old you would think he had learned some stuff but i just yeah, <laughs> thought yeah it was, but there's there's stupid you know, yeah. There's I like, guess. there's like inexperienced, you know, and then mm-hmm. there's stupid. And I have a feeling that Penn falls on the stupid side of things. Poor Penn. I'm going oh. to a school bus. Come <laughs> In find the me at the school bus in Los Angeles. Yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, that was it for my research questions. What about you? Oh, that pretty much covers. That. I mean, I was thinking about like the the rules for hotel rooms. Anyway, uh-huh. right? This guy is staying in a hotel room, right? Yeah, you know. So I mean, like, do hot- are you when somebody's been in a hotel room long enough? Does that make it their home? Does so, it make it impossible to break in? This question is specifically answered in a future episode. Yes, it will so, be. So we'll we're just going to let that sit for now. We'll, All we'll right, leave so- it on the research board. Right. <laughs> All right. So what are we brooding on? So this episode reminds us of how evil Angelus really was and gave us a sense of the guilt that Angel carries. It also shows Kate's turn from trusting Angel, and I say that in quotation marks, to hating him once she learns that he's a vampire and studies the horrific things that Angelus did in the past. We deem this one a skipper because it's not crucial to the overall storyline, but I liked the episode more than I remember liking it. Yeah, I like it about the same as I remember liking it. Like, there's some <laughs> things that I think are okay. It's not my favorite episode of yeah. Angel, I got to say. But we have, we have the exact opposite reaction to expecting. Because yes. not my favorite pisses me <laughs> off. So <laughs> why don't you take us into expecting? When Cordelia wakes up mysteriously very pregnant after an evening with a hot up-and-coming celebrity photographer, Wesley and Angel are on the case to figure out what happened. Wesley takes care of Cordelia while Angel tracks down Cordelia's friend, also mysteriously pregnant, who says the guys like women who don't have family. Angel finds the douchebags who knock the girls up with demon spawn in a trade for success and riches. Gradually falling more and more under the demon's control, Cordelia knocks Wesley out and goes to an industrial warehouse along with the other women to give birth. When Wesley wakes up, he talks to Angel and discovers where the demon is and also that it's almost impossible to kill. As the women descend into a pool of toxic sludge, the demon shows himself. Angel throws a canister of liquid nitrogen at it and Wesley shoots, freezing the demon and severing the link to the women, ending the pregnancies. Cordelia smashes the demon into little itty bitty pieces and all is well, especially now that she knows she has a family that will protect her always. 
Expecting aired on January 25th, 2000. It was directed by David Simmel, who will return in season two to direct Are You Now or Have You Ever Been? And that'll be it for Simmel's episodes of Angel. Expecting was written by Howard Gordon, who will also only do two episodes of Angel. He'll be back later this season for The Ring. All right. So you did not enjoy this episode very much. There, there are parts of it that I enjoy very mm-hmm. much. But overall, my reaction to this is that it infuriates me. Oh, interesting. I liked it a lot more than I than I expected to. Than I remember mm. liking it, you know? Interesting. So, yeah, I enjoyed it a little bit more. So it's going to be interesting to find out what the things are that, uh, that you don't like and, and what I like. So what are your moments of perfect happiness for this? So I liked at the beginning when Angel and Wes cover for Cordy when she has a vision in front of her friends. Mm-hmm. I'm putting that word in quotation marks, right. too. Right. Um, And I love Phantom Dennis trying to scare Wilson away Mm -hmm. because Dennis for a ghost seems to have a good sense about people. He does. He has a good instinct. He does. And Cordy thought he was jealous, but I think he was being protective. I think he was too. So what about you? Where do your moments of happiness start? I actually, okay, well, we have Ken Marino Mm -hmm. playing Wilson Christopher. Nothing exceptional about this character, the way they're written or the way, you know, but, but, um, but for those of you who don't know Vinnie Van Lowe from Veronica <laughs> Mars, you need to watch Veronica Mars because he is adorable. I love Ken Marino. He's always fun. I, I've loved everything I've ever seen him in. He was also in Party Down, which was also written by Rob Thomas, who did um, Veronica Mars. He is just a really fun actor, and I enjoy him tremendously. So I, I enjoyed him, even though there was nothing particularly you know, interesting about the mm-hmm. performance or the character or the way it was written or anything. Well, um, and he was, was so young. Him. I missed that it was him I at know. first. Oh, um, God, he was so young. I love of Vinny Van Lowe on Veronica I Mars. Vinny it's Van so great. Lowe. He's my favorite. <laughs> um, I also really love Wesley's enthusiasm when they say Wilson Christopher and he says, no, the ethnoarchaeologist from Brandeis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just thought that was really adorable. And, mm-hmm. you know, goofy Wesley, as much as it's never my favorite thing, you know, was kind of cute here. Um, a little bit. Um, it, it does get old after a while. They they play it way too much. But I I like that he's awkward. You know, I like that he's he's not he's so cool and smart, but yet he's not cool. You know, and mm-hmm. I kind of like that about him. It's it's a nice vulnerability. Um, you know, I like that Angel and Wesley go to check up on Cordy. Me too. Um, I think that that's really nice. Yep. And it reminds me of a certain best friend of mine yelling at me with her mom voice when I forgot to check in after a date one time. Oh, yeah. And oh, yeah. <laughs> I was, like, I was yep. texting you all night and I was <laughs> like, wait a so minute. funny. <laughs> I was like, yep. Bonnie would have showed up at my house too. I, am, I know. I, I co-signed with Wesley and Angel going there. <laughs> oh, I would have. If you, if you were in my town, I would have been at your house. Going, Where the hell are you? <laughs> You go yeah. on a first date with somebody you've never met before. No, you text and yes. let me know that you're okay. I learned my lesson and so <laughs> did Cordy. <laughs> um, you know, I also like the the next day they find Cordy, you know, and she's completely pregnant. Um, I think that Charisma Carpenter's performance in this was really lovely. Oh, I love yeah. that moment where she says, what would I say to him? I had a really great time. I think you left something at my place. You know, yeah. Um, she also there's this moment where she says, "I'm being punished," right? And mm-hmm. that was the same theme that we hit on 
when she got the apartment, right? That she's yeah. so bad that they're going to punish her. She spends all of her time, you know, fighting demons that are like killing people. And mm-hmm. she thinks because she was a mean girl for a little while in high school that somehow she's going to be punished for the rest of her life. Yeah. And and I did like um, Wesley and Angel's response here. Mm-hmm. You know, the first thing out of Angel's mouth when he saw pregnant Courtney was, it's all right, we're here. Yeah. Not, oh, my God, what happened? And I I loved yeah. Angel in that and moment. And no judgment about her sleeping with him. Yeah, it was, no that part was great. Yeah. And, and Wesley did step up and say, no, you're certainly not being punished. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Which I thought was good. So no slut shaming. No, Which well, not here. Well, not here. We'll right. get to that in a minute. <laughs> not in this moment, but I'm saying right now. Yes, right no now, there was right. no slut shaming. <laughs> right. And I love that moment when um, they, they ask Angel if he's the boyfriend and he says, no, I'm family. Yeah. Which I really loved. And I thought mm-hmm. that that was great. Um, you know, Cordy drinks the blood. I don't think I ever realized how disgusting that was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love that Angel is completely grossed out by her drinking. That's really funny. Well, he doesn't have a mirror. I mean, he doesn't have a reflection, so he can't right. see himself in the he mirror when he does it. What it looks like. <laughs> yeah. It's it's pretty disgusting. It's pretty gross. Um, you know, so I just I really enjoyed I enjoyed the you know, the Angel and Wesley being so protective and caring mm-hmm. for Cordy. Um, you know, I love when he's angry, you know, he's talking to Wilson Christopher and the buddies, you know, and he's yeah. like, I was so hoping you'd say that so that he could just punch him, you know. Yeah. Um, all of that stuff is really great. I love that. I loved I loved that confrontation too when mm-hmm. Wilson was like, Angel, right? Her boss. She told yeah. me all about you. And Angel's like, somehow I doubt that. I know. <laughs> and, then, and then he gets back up and he's like, I really don't like it when people shoot me. <laughs> right. I love those lines from Angel. They're great. No, it's great. I love Angry Angel. Angry Angel is one of my favorites. <laughs> Mm, <laughs> it's absolutely. really fun to see him get pissed off um you know and i love that uh, i thought it was really kind of neat that they the girls were all dressed up in these like you know white kind of shrouds you know it made me think of the vestal virgins you know which mm-hmm. is a roman sect of course dedicated to chastity which i thought was kind of an interesting choice you know mm. i don't know if that was a deliberate um kind of a connection that they were going for but i thought that was kind of interesting I guess when I first saw it, I laughed because yeah. I'm like, yeah, because when you're giving birth, what you want is a floor length gown exactly. with <laughs> tons of layers to get in the way. This isn't going to be like the standard giving birth thing. And you I know, know. it's not that different from the hospital gown. <laughs> I know. It just cracked me up. Yeah. Just, I don't know. I, it yeah. was Yeah. But I was watching it with a snarky accent. So yes, exactly. There you go. <laughs> Um, you know, I love this moment where he says, who are you? And he says, Wesley Wyndham Price, rogue demon hunter. And I'm here to fight you to the death, preferably yours. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that was great. I mean, Wesley was fantastic in it. You know, I like that Cordelia smashes, you know, the, the frozen demon at the end. So, so they come in and they save her, you know, but she also saves herself. She also has some agency there at the end when she smashes mm-hmm. the demon. So I really liked that. Yeah. Um, I loved it when, after Wesley so politely introduced himself to the demon. Yes. And then he said, do you have any hobbies? Right. <laughs> that was my favorite line of the episode. <laughs> Especially because time, yeah. 
last week we were we were playing around with some listeners on Twitter trying to figure out like the hobbies right. that the scourge would have. Uh, <laughs> so when, when Wesley asked, I was like, "See, it's a thing. Demons can it's have hobbies. Thing. They can. <laughs> Demons can knit. Demons can do they woodworking." Can. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Um, And then I I like at the end, you know, when she's she's messing with them. And then she says, I learned that I have two people I trust absolutely with my life. Mm -hmm. I love that moment. Wesley's crying. I mean, it's really sweet and it's really touching. So I love I think part of what I really like about this episode is the development of these deep and caring relationships mm-hmm. you know are you the boyfriend no i'm family yeah you know? yeah yeah and that part was good and i liked hearing Courtney claim her strength at the end too yeah mm-hmm. you know like i'm a lot stronger than these asshole guys thought i was exactly and i did mm-hmm. like that a lot yeah i thought that um, was really good all mm-hmm. right so you stake it what you got okay baby <laughs> my list is a wee bit longer than yours okay um so as much as i love wesley mm-hmm he was seriously pissing me off this episode because yeah. he was so critical of Cordy for going out and having fun as if he was her watcher and she was a slayer yeah. neglecting her duties. Right. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that's not their roles. Cordy works her butt off. She helps mm-hmm. people. She goes through these visions and going out with the girls does not make you irresponsible or make you neglectful of your responsibilities. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it felt condescending and in certain places it felt too much like slut shaming to me. Oh, like when he called them doxies? Yeah. yeah. But he was good about supporting <laughs> yeah. her when mm-hmm. she needed his help. Right. But the mm-hmm. thing that I want to stake the most are the human men who went into this deal with the demon Because Mm -hmm. they are scum of the earth, and they should be thrown into volcanoes immediately. Mm -hmm. And Cordy had to go through hell, you know, a forced demonic pregnancy, invasive medical procedures, mind control. Where in holy hell are the consequences for the assholes who proxied for Big Daddy Demon? Because Angel beats them up, but that's it. And I'm sorry, but that's not enough. No, you know, and it reminds me a bit of Reptile Boy, right? Mm -hmm. Reptile Boy was they were, you know, making these sacrifices to the demons that they could have wealth and they could have, you know, everything and success and all of that, right? And here we have a very similar thing, right? you know? Um, And so... In Reptile Boy, they lost everything. Like all of those, we had that moment where we followed up and in the end, they lost everything. Right. You know, as far as we know, Wilson Christopher gets to go back to being a celebrity photographer after this. Right. No, no, he doesn't. Yeah. You know, like there there do need to be consequences for that. And that is something that is really missing here. Yeah, it really bothered me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. and, and I get that in the story, the demon was telepathically linked to its unborn spawn. Yeah. But I hate, and I mean hate, the story idea of women being controlled by fetuses, demonic right. or otherwise. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. pregnancy does not overtake your will. As a woman, you know, Mm -hmm. hormones can fuck with your feelings, but you're not helpless to advocate for yourself or to control yourself or to make choices. And Mm -hmm. and I know that this was, you know, a demon story, but the submission of self to motherhood in any form pisses me off well and proper. Yeah. And all I could think was this episode was written by a man, which it was. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. No, you know what? I completely concede that point. I think you're absolutely right. And and we do have this idea that 
um, that a mother is a completely self-sacrificing, mm-hmm. that the second, you know, you get pregnant or you become a mother that you have no other life and you have no other desires and everything is all about, you know, the kid every, all the time for the rest of your life for everything. And that mothers, like the best thing that a mother can be is sacrificing. Right. That's something that we kind of put into the culture as well. Mm-hmm. Like it is not possible for you to be a good mother who cares and loves for her children. Right. But also takes care of and loves herself and puts her own needs, you know, somewhere on the list, Mm -hmm. you know, Um, and that if a mother does that, then somehow she is selfish. I mean, we could do an entire podcast just on the expectations of mothers and of women in society. We're not going to do that. (laughs) But this feeds into a lot of those kinds of of motherly ideals, things that mothers are expected to do, but that fathers are not. Right. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah, Yeah. I just, it just makes me mad. And then the Mm -hmm. last thing that I wanted to stake was at the end when Corey was talking about what she learned, she said, sex is bad. And Wes said, we all knew that. Mm-hmm. And yes, I know it's a joke referring to Angel's curse, but it still bothers me when a woman feels ashamed or like she's being punished for having sex or God forbid, liking sex. Oh my God. Okay. When she said I'm being punished earlier, mm-hmm. I went back to the, I was a bitch in high school. Oh, no. Was, was that no. supposed to reference her having sex? It was a direct reference for having, for having sex. Now, she had oh, safe my God. sex. She, you know, she made an active choice. She used protection. She was smart. Yeah. There was this demon, you know, spell or whatever in the works. But that that's how I read it. And that. Oh, my so God. So, you know, like when you finish an episode, you're left kind of with one overarching, like emotional feeling. Yeah. This one just infuriates me because that, that was how I read that. to me. But yeah. it's so clearly exactly what was intended. Because that's how we I end, right? I was going right? back to, I was going no. back to, I'm being punished for being a mean girl. No, I'm punished. I had sex and I liked it. And I woke oh up pregnant God. with and I have 17 to be demon babies. It exactly. serves me right. Right? Like <laughs> it that. serves me right. Exactly. Oh, no. Yeah. No, yeah. I can see that. I can I was see that so being mad. completely infuriating. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I didn't even, yeah. that didn't even occur to me. Yeah. Yep. Sex wow. is bad. We all knew that. Uh, right. No. Mm-hmm. No. First no, of all, sex is fine. The curse doesn't work like that anyway. I'm sorry. Y'all got it wrong. Second of all, like, no. So it just mm-hmm. always bothers me. Yeah, and we no, never see, see this in the reverse. It's no. Nope. This is only something that happens to women. This is only something mm-hmm. that you know women have to feel ashamed for. And I, it, again, the episode was written by a man, and it shows. Okay. So, all right. You saying. know what? Fair <laughs> enough. I concede all points to you. <laughs> <laughs> so, what about you? Did you? Did I leave you anything to say? Oh, God, you know, I mean, like, I hated the guys. Mm-hmm. I hated the and when they're like, Oh, well, mostly I do it for the sex. Ugh, just, yeah. ugh, just right. rapey McGee, get out of here. You yeah. know, like, I just I, the whole thing is really, really gross. And I know they're supposed to be gross. They're the bad guys. But again, because they didn't have the consequence, right? Because they didn't get hit in the face with liquid nitrogen and then shattered into a million pieces. Um, I could have lived with that. Feel, that would have yeah, made me as happy as the something. volcano throw them in a volcano something right you know um there should have been 
more dire consequences than a black eye that's going to heal in a couple of days. Yes. Like there should have been something that even if it was something that we just, you know, handled in the coda, you know, mm -hmm. where she's she's reading about how Wilson Christopher's entire life fell apart and he's in jail now for raping women or something. Right. You know? um, that that something happen to these men that just their entire lives got ruined. Um, that's what I would like to have seen. Yep. Um, so that was basically it for me. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. All right. So research mode? Research mode. I didn't really have much except that the thing with Dennis <laughs> as a roommate mm -hmm. is that you don't know when he's in the room with you and when he's not in the room with you. And I think that Dennis is honestly he seems to be like a, a very traditional guy. Mm -hmm. He seems to be a very respectful guy, mm -hmm. but you know, she's having sex in the apartment. It's gotta be weird having a, like a ghost uh, roommate who, you know, when she's in the shower, like all this kind of like, you know, how does she know he's not pervy? <laughs> like <laughs> he seems pretty nice. Yeah. He gets her tissues. He gives her sodas. You know I mean? Yeah. That's nice, but mm -hmm. still, yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. We'd have to have a, a boundaries conversation with the roommate. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I mean, I think <laughs> the, the Dennis, the way that we have characterized, you know, this, this, uh, this non-corporeal being is that he does seem very respectful yeah. and like he wouldn't, you know, violate her privacy like that mm -hmm. and all that kind of stuff. But still, it was a question. So yeah. what about you? What do you have for research mode? So everything for mine relates to the idea of pregnancy on Angel. Mm -hmm. because this is an area where Angel goes that Buffy doesn't. Yes. Um, mm -hmm. and, and so it's going to be a theme and it's going to be something we're going to have to look at. And so mm -hmm. I'm just really curious, given the different ethos of each show, why pregnancy comes into play in plot lines in Angel when it never did in Buffy. Yeah. And, mm -hmm. and so I'm really curious about that and what it means and what it means for the for the story and, and for Angel and, you know, just mm -hmm. for the show in general. But in this specific instance, Angel and Wesley freeze the demon. Mm -hmm. And then what happens exactly to the pregnant women? Did they miscarry? Did the demon spawn evaporate? Because it looked painful and traumatic, it, but yeah. then it seemed to be really underplayed as if a simple spell had just been broken and they were back to themselves. It's, it felt like a rubber band to me. Yeah. It just snapped back into place and everything was fine. Right. Yeah. But physiologically, how did that, like, right. I, you know, because I think mm -hmm. that, that they were under expressing what these women went through and it just. Right. Erasing it, the trauma. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Like, mm -hmm. oh, well, gee, I, Oh, I'm fine now. I'm fine now. It's all fine. And then we even have Cordy, you know, she comes mm -hmm. in. She's like, no, I'm fine. Yeah. I'm fine. I'm fine. Right? Everything's fine. And That's a traumatic experience. Yeah. yeah. So there was a lot of tender care and protectiveness in this episode that I really mm -hmm. liked. Yeah. But there was so much lack of choice for C Cordelia. And mm -hmm. then this, oh, well, that's over. Everything's great. It, right. It felt right. overly patriarchal to me. And it just... No, I get that because it's an erasure of her experience. Yeah. Like it's written in such a way that like Cordy went through this completely awful experience. And I'm sorry, but when you're lied to and you sleep with somebody who lies to you, that is a rape. Yeah. Or when it someone comes in intending to knock you up yeah. and you're practicing safe sex and they have a spell, that is coercion. That is That's rape. violation. Yes. It is a complete violation. So, um, 
so yeah, like all of this as an experience is going to be something that's going to stay with her. That's going to be, um, that's going to weigh heavily on her. Mm -hmm. You know, we see at the end that both Angel and Wesley are really expecting this to weigh on her. But what we do by writing her, oh, I'm fine. I'm tougher than that. Right. Right. Is we're erasing that experience where, you know, Cordy's, Cordy's tough. We don't have to worry about her. We don't have to deal with what we've done to her in this episode, mm -hmm. what we've put her through in this episode. Um, you know, let's just pretend it never happened. And, right. you know, and as far as I know, I'm not sure we ever talk about it again. We do. Oh, we do. We do. Much, much later. We do. Okay. Yeah. All right. But yeah. It, it was, it was just under underplayed and, and mm -hmm. under expressed and it just yeah. made me mad so yeah yeah my my overall was yes angel and wesley were really sweet but um i'm kind of pissed off <laughs> yeah. yeah so what's no. the one to brood on for expecting lonnie well, I actually thought this was a pretty good episode. I mean, I completely concede all points to you. I think that you're right on everything. What I loved about this episode and what I took away from it was this familial relationship, was mm -hmm. the way that Wesley and Angel um, were there for Cordy, took care of Cordy, um, and how dedicated and devoted they were to her. And at the end, when she says, I have two people I know that I can trust with my life, that was a big deal. And so uh, for me, what I got out of this episode, what I really loved about it was the building of those relationships. Mm -hmm. So nevertheless, we deemed this one a skipper because nothing really happens that you need to see in order to understand or appreciate the show. Um, but if you find yourself enjoying Angel, you know, rather than itching to move on, I would say it's worth a watch yeah. with the caveat being that Kelly's absolutely right about everything she hates about it. <laughs> watch absolutely it, right. Watch it and enjoy the good parts and yell at your screen. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you could do that. All right. So, Kelly, between these two episodes, what's your favorite part? So, my favorite part was from Sonambulus when mm -hmm. Cordy and Angel at the end were overlooking the city. And Angel was telling her about his dreams. And he said, but I enjoyed it. And I really like that because he's not hiding his darkness from Cordy. Yeah. And Cordy knows the difference between Angel and Angelus. Yes. And then when he says to her, if the day ever comes that I, and she interrupts him and says, oh, I'll kill you dead. Right. And Angel says, thanks. And Cordy says, <laughs> what are friends for? <laughs> like, right. I mm -hmm. love that because first of all, I believe her. Yeah. And I, but I don't think it would be an easy choice. I think she would struggle no. with it. I think she would try to find another way. But if she mm -hmm. had to, I think Cordy would end Angelus and she would do it because of how much she loves Angel. Exactly. And that's, you know, that's what I saw in Wesley, you know, in, in Somnambulist is that they, because they are such loyal friends, mm -hmm. they will do that, mm -hmm. you know, for yeah. him. So, yeah. So what was your favorite part? Oh, God. Cordelia telling Wesley and Angel that they're family at the end of expecting. Mm -hmm. I love that. I love that moment. I love when Wesley cries. Yeah. I think it's so sweet. I love the building of that relationship with both of them. It was um, sweet. It's really wonderful. And I really love that we had a man crying without a joke. Yes. That he was allowed like that, that honest expression of his emotion. Of his emotion. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. No, I like that yeah. a lot. It was, it was great. So we want to hear what y'all think. 
To join in the discussion on Twitter, follow Lonnie at Lonnie Diane Rich and me at Dr. Kelly Jones and use the hashtag still dead. There's also some great discussion happening on the Chipperish forums. Go to chipperish.com, click on forum and join in on the fun. Yes, you can also keep Chipperish Media going to the tune of a dollar a month or more and gain access to the live chat in Discord, where you can hang out with me and Kelly and all the Chipperish patrons who are here to fight you to the death, preferably yours. (laughs) This episode of Still Dead was brought to you by Chipperish Media producer Pam. Pam supports Chipperish Media at the power producer level and as a reward gets to be locked up faster than Lady Hamilton's virtue. So thank you, Pam, and thank you to everyone who supports Chipperish Media and makes all this possible. Visit patreon.com slash chipperish to find out how you too can become a Still Dead producer. All right, we will be back next time with episodes 13 and 14 of Angel Season 1, She and I've Got You Under My Skin. Until then, you stake him, we'll cut off his head. This is my life. Okay, so... (laughs) What was I talking about? <laughs> we were talking about vampire sexuality. Oh, which, right. Dear listener, is a topic that comes up in conversation among chipperish folks more than you might presume. More than you would believe. Yes, we do talk about this a lot. All right, let me go back.